section thirty seven of life of john churchill duke of marlborough by louise creighton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter seventeen the fall of marlborough part two the conduct of the english government caused much alarm and indignation among the allies who saw that england meant to make peace without caring much what became of their interests as a last hope prince eugene determined to visit england himself to see whether he might perhaps be able to persuade the government to continue the war he landed at gravesend on the fifth of january seventeen twelve to find his friend the duke of marlborough in disgrace and though he himself was hospitably received by the court he soon saw that his mission was hopeless he was lodged at leicester house and visited by all the great men grand entertainments were given in his honour as he passed through the streets he was always surrounded by an enthusiastic mob when he visited the court it was crowded with people eager to see him swift had a good look at him once and described him as plaguy yellow and literally ugly besides the queen gave him a magnificent diamond sword worth forty five hundred pounds but she managed to avoid talking with him about public affairs and he could get nothing but compliments out of the ministers he learnt with indignation the charges brought against the duke of marlborough in the house of commons and was surprised to see the contempt with which his great friend was treated by people who had forgotten all their former enthusiasm on the queen's birthday the people crowded round a chair in the park which they thought contained the prince but when they found that it was the duke of marlborough their shouts of applause were changed to cries of stop thief prince eugene did not neglect the duke because he had lost all his power he treated him with the cordiality of a true friend visited him frequently and lost no opportunity of testifying to his greatness it was the fashion to pretend that it was a mistake to credit marlborough even with courage or any of the qualities of a great general and bishop burnet pointed out to prince eugene a passage in one of the pamphlets of the day stating that the duke of marlborough was perhaps once fortunate prince eugene emphatically replied it is the greatest compliment which can be given for he was always successful and this must imply that if in one single instance he was fortunate all his other successes were owing to his conduct another time he was dining with the lord treasurer who remarked that it was the happiest day in his life because he saw in his house the greatest captain of the age if it be so i owe it to your lordship answered the prince alluding to the disgrace of marlborough on the seventeenth of march after a stay of ten weeks prince eugene left england convinced that nothing more was to be hoped for from her seeing that he had not been able to get the ministers even to discuss seriously the proposals he had brought from the emperor the tories had not failed to circulate ridiculous stories about the object of eugene's visit crediting him and marlborough with a plot to seize the person of the queen and fire the city never had party spirit run so high in england even the ladies shared actively in the party quarrels the whig ladies would not go to court and the opinions of a lady might always be told by the side of her face 
on which she wore her patches the peace conferences had opened at utrecht on the twenty ninth of january the representatives of the allies were amazed at the terms proposed by louis the fourteenth who had grown bold again now that he saw what firm friends he had in the english ministers but matters became more complicated by a terrible misfortune that befell louis the fourteenth the dauphin formerly known as the duke of burgundy louis's grandson his young and charming wife and their eldest boy all died within a few days of one another of a malignant form of measles this left only a feeble boy of two as sole heir to the aged king after this sickly child the next heir to the throne was philip of spain even the english ministers could not consent to any peace which did not make it impossible for philip to reign over both france and spain philip was called upon to choose between france and spain and though past events had showed how little the french were to be bound by treaties or formal renunciations the english government was willing to leave spain to philip provided he would renounce all claim to france whilst philip's answer was awaited the conferences were suspended the english government had protested that they would continue the war with vigour if peace were not concluded and the duke of ormond was sent to take marlborough's command in the netherlands and joined prince eugene they were at the head of a formidable army the french were weak half starved and badly supplied eugene wished to carry out marlborough's project and march into the heart of france ormond was eager for fame the french were so alarmed that they advised louis the fourteenth to retire from paris to blois but louis the fourteenth was not frightened messengers were once more busy between versailles and london and the english were busy devising new terms of peace on may tenth an express was sent off to ormond bidding him not to engage in any siege or hazard a battle when eugene called upon ormond to join him in attacking the french camp ormond refused to the immense indignation of the allies his conduct also caused much anger in england and lord halifax called attention to it in the house of lords and ended by moving a resolution that the queen would be pleased to recall the orders sent to her general marlborough seconded the motion pointing out what a good effect it would have upon the peace conferences if the allies gained some important advantage a fierce debate followed in which the opponents of marlborough sought every possible opportunity of directly and indirectly blaming his past conduct at last matters reached a crisis when earl powlett said no one can doubt the duke of ormond's bravery but he does not resemble a certain general who led troops to the slaughter to cause a certain number of officers to be knocked on the head in a battle or against stone walls in order to fill his pocket by disposing of their commissions at the time this insult was passed by in silence the debate went on and lord halifax's motion was lost but twenty-seven peers and marlborough amongst them signed a severe protest against this decision of the house when the debate was over marlborough sent lord mohun to earl powlett asking him to take the air in the country the customary way of challenging a man for a duel powlett greatly alarmed 
could not conceal his agitation from his wife on his return home when she discovered the cause she at once informed the earl of dartmouth the secretary of state he had powlett arrested and orders were sent from the queen to marlborough to go no further in the matter and the duel was avoided but this gave the pamphleteers a new cause for attacking marlborough and the examiner blamed him severely for setting the example of party duels ormond's position became worse and worse stung by the taunts of eugene he had at last consented to join in the siege of quenoua when that town fell eugene wished to proceed to the siege of landrecy ormond professed to be offended that he had not been told of eugene's intention before and seizing this opportunity at last for separating his army from eugene's he said that eugene was deserting him and when eugene broke up his camp on july sixteenth he ordered the english troops and the mercenaries in english pay to remain with him the mercenaries indignantly refused and only one thousand holsteiners obeyed his commands that same day ormond proclaimed a suspension of arms with the french bitter was the shame in the english camp the orders were received with hisses and murmurs an eyewitness writes that the british camp resounded with curses against the duke of ormond as a stupid tool and general of straw the colonels captains and other brave officers were so overwhelmed with vexation that they sat apart in their tents looking on the ground for very shame with downcast eyes and for several days shrank from the sight even of their fellow-soldiers whenever they recollected the duke of marlborough and the late glorious times their eyes filled with tears the dutch governors of bouchain douay and tournay refused to receive the english army and ormond was obliged to seize ghent and bruges and establish his troops there his defection of course placed the french at an advantage before the end of the campaign villars was able to retake douay quenois and bouchain never has so deep a stain been cast upon english honour the ministers who had won their way to power like conspirators made peace like conspirators and did not care if they sacrificed the honour of their country in order to make their own position secure End of section thirty seven